Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught! Touchdown! Keenan Allen! What a grab! That's what I'm talking about! Hey, that's what I'm talking about! That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy! Huge sack by Joey Bosa! 90-yard touchdown! 90-yard touchdown! That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James! Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton! Caught! Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Bolt fam, what's up everybody? A very warm Aussie summer welcome to you all for the last regular season edition of the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. Andy Prophet here, your host, joined by Jack. Give me the fifth seed, Reed! Hello, mate. <laughs> Lots of emotion this week off the field. As we prepare for the Chargers' first playoff appearance since 2018, the first for Coach Daly and Justin Herbert. Oh boy, I'm excited. I bet you are too. What's been happening, dude? Oh, not too much. Very, very hot here in Adelaide at the moment. Um, we're looking at 40 degrees tomorrow, so just trying to keep cool and gearing up for a very, very big Sunday for us. So getting up nice and early at 4.30am and uh, watching three back-to-back games of football. Hopefully we get the dub. So after a disappointing performance against Denver, but we'll get into that later. So no, all good, mate. How are you? Ripper. Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's building up. The heat's building up and it's uh, it's quite nice. We've had, we don't want to do too much weather chat, but I'm fine, mate. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't take too much away from what's going on. We're going to obviously get stuck into that. Um but I don't take too much negative stuff away from what the result was. Uh, there's obviously plenty to talk about the meta of the game and the negatives around that. Um, but me, myself, I, I can't complain, man. I've always got a smile on my face. You know me. Just ready to get stuck into it. All right, we have the Week 18 Broncos matchup. And as I said, all the drama that surrounded that game. We'll chat a bit about the AFC and the NFC playoffs and some snakes and ladders, a bit of fun for who each of us have poised to strike in the postseason. And then we'll finish up with a, a look ahead to Saturday night, US time, Sunday morning, hours, super wildcard weekend in Jacksonville, Florida. Jack, mate, all the piss in the pool. Oh, man. We're here. It's coming back to haunt me. It's coming back to haunt me. For listeners, if you don't know, I did a little bit of a diatribe on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I said they weren't going to be very good, but it's all lining up in some ironic, weird sort of game. So, uh, hey, pisses, ping your pants is cool, Jacksonville. So that's okay. I'm uh, uh, reneging on that comment. Well, the last time we, the Chargers, I believe, played in Jacksonville was 90-yard touchdown as Phil Rivers screamed into Yannick Ngakwe's yeah. ear. Which is crazy because Ngakwe actually helped him off the ground. And then he goes, yeah. woo! And then, but, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. But back unbelievable on, on, the, on, the, on the listeners, thank you to all of our listeners joining us for the voyage that we've had thus far in season one of TDU. Our TDU crew, if you will. I know Big Al has been fanging for a moniker for you all for some time. It's a work in progress still, folks. But cheers for tuning in. Uh, if you're just joining us new to the show, uh, throw the show a like and subscribe to the channel for all our content. Alrighty. Los Angeles Chargers 28, Denver Broncos 31. Dead rubber in mile high. Has a certain ring to it. A ringing in the ears and a wake-up call for whatever the hell that was. Across the board. It's playoff football in six days. Offense, sure, was humming. Putting up points early. The defense, still hitting snooze. What's that you say? When are the key starters... When are the key starters coming from the ground? Oh, we'll just let that play out. We'll just let that's, that, that go. Mike Williams cops a hit in the second quarter. Can barely walk, exits the game. Herbert, Eckler, Allen, all still remain. 
and continued to do so late into the game. What's that? Defensive execution to finish the first half was an utter disgrace. Couldn't agree more. Look, there's a lot to plough through. The result is what it is. Meaningless in the grand scheme, we had the fifth seed locked in before Brandon Manus even launched that one out at the back of the end zone. But there's smoke about. And where there's smoke, apparently there's fire. Staley? Jack, I know you're amped up for this because there's negativity pouring from here, there, and everywhere. Where do you want to start today, man? What is it that is at your boiling point? Let's start with the quote that I've taken away from Brandon Staley. And that quote is, hindsight is perfect for everyone on the outside. Everyone's had an opinion on this from Stephen A. Smith saying that if Staley doesn't win the game or the Chargers don't win the game in Jacksonville, he should be, he should be fired. He should be fired. From Chargers Twitter blowing up about saying how Staley has completely mismanaged the situation, completely mismanaged the season. No one I have found is really taking stock of the giant journey that we've come and we've gone over mountain and river and mine and storm and snowstorm and everything that you can imagine from injuries to setbacks to broken ribs to play calling. We're playing in the fucking playoffs, guys. Let's just fucking enjoy it. Yeah. Like, yes, okay, the more. mismanagement wasn't, was, was, we'll talk about that in a second, but. Listen, we're not on the inside. We're not on the inner circle. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what was happening with the selection. We don't know what was happening with the, um, you know, he said that we can only bring two players up uh, from the from the practice squad, et cetera, et cetera. But man, I just take that. Trust in Staley for this point in time. We can do a little bit of a, you know, a round table at season end if we lose to the Jaguars. Then we can start looking at perhaps the decisions in this game along with everything else, but man, I'm just, I don't know, man. It, it, it really, I need to just calm myself because it gets me very upset about how reactive people are over what I think is a small thing. So there's my piece for the, for the second anyway. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, I was a bit surprised when I watched the game, as I was watching the game, not only were the, the commentators pointing it out every five minutes, these guys still on the field. It's like, yeah, I know, shut up. Like, results, it was disappointing. Um, things like three or four 50-yard completions um, where you, we were talking on game day and you made a really great point where when you use, or along the lines of, if you use Derwin James as a Swiss Army knife and you give him freelancing ability, it can muddy what the operations of the other guys are. And you saw that so clearly on that ridiculous 23 second drive for the Broncos to go down and score where what did we talk about contain Russell Wilson scrambles out to his left launches a bullet to Jerry Judy who just had paddocks of room because when you watch the play from the reverse angle Derwin's going up to Cortland Sutton and Gilman's going hang on I'm covered like covering the center of the field you're drifting this way and now you've taken off that way so he's six, seven yards away when he makes the catch and they can only get to push him out. And it's just, you're right. It, they, there was a sense from the players I felt that they, at times the secondary weren't, weren't exactly sure of their assignments with Derwin deep as well. And even offense and defense, they were kind of waiting for like their number to be called off. They were like, 
Yes. Uh, like almost, you just sort of felt like they were looking over after every snap to go like, am I done yet? Like, what are we doing here? There was, I think, notable confusion and maybe upset from the players about playing as long as they did. We aren't behind the lines. We don't know. But the things that I sort of felt and picked up, it was just eerie from the get-go, the whole five of the game. I think, well, but at least Gilman and Derwin have had that experience now and they'll go back and look at the tape and go, oh, okay, Derwin's been out for the the better half of two and a half games um, now and getting those reps in probably are very, are very valuable. Remember, Herbert is not Tom Brady. Herbert is not Aaron Rodgers. Herbert is still a quarterback who is learning. Um, Joey Bosa needed the snaps. He did, and from all accounts, he looked incredible because, I mean, he looked for the first time in a number of years, he looked like he had real pop and speed off the line. The guy had one sack and four pressures on eight pass rushing snaps. So if we want to extrapolate that out to next week, he's now got that confidence to go, oh, actually, no, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to absolutely destroy Trevor Lawrence. Listen, the, the Williams injury is frustrating, and I get it. Everyone was really upset about that. Williams is an injury-prone guy. He just is. And I do have a bit of advice for Mike Williams is I think he needs to take a leaf off of Keenan Keenan uh, Allen's playbook. Remember when Keenan Allen tore his Achilles in, in KC um, a number of years ago? Ever since that point in time, you've really noticed that when Keenan's making double and triple moves after yards after catch, he goes down quite easily now. He doesn't necessarily take those big hits. Rewatching the game, Williams, Mike Williams got to smashed from behind. That was Alex Littleton. What was his name? Littleton. Was it Littleton or was it Josie Jewell? Josie that was, Jewell was, that was Littleton. Him. That was Alex Littleton. Um, yeah. And he was a dog the whole game. Not in a bad yeah. way. And he so was, was just Josie hitting Jewell. hard. Yeah. Josie Jewell obliterated yeah. Eckler. But, yeah, he got smashed from the back. And, you know, he had neck and back problems coming out of Clemson. Um, yeah. And... Look, if it's just a spasm, I mean, if you get those where it's kind of refers a bit of neural pain, like down your hip, it can be yeah. like really hard to walk. So I'm not trying to play it down or anything like that, um, but we'll see. Hopefully, you know, that's that's the biggest the biggest talking point. I agree with you, Joey Bosa needed more snaps. He needed to play mm. uh, as long or if, if not longer. I thought he took a weird angle uh, on that, that pressure. Um he yeah, it was a good play, but he's kind of kind of gone one way and then launched back at Russell Wilson, the in the opposite way, and you can just sort of see in the slow mo, it's like yeah, look, that's probably going to hurt anyone who doesn't have you know they're saying oh he's coming off an injury, he had it surgically repaired, and he took longer than like three or four weeks longer than expected to make sure mm. he was a hundred percent right. You'd imagine someone with a surgically repaired issue is at a hundred percent compared to someone who. You know, it might just be regulation. Um, Correct. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see the issue with that. It just the optics are so bad because you know he came from the field and he would have been probably pulled in a few more drives. But Mike Williams getting injured and how vital he will be to our our air game, our passing game against the Jags. So that is that's that's where the the knife's the knife's edge balances is if Mike Williams plays and if he's or how close he is to a hundred percent. 
but it adds to this narrative that's been spruiked ever since Herbert had those ribs and he came back into the game and everyone was questioning mm. Staley's, I guess, duty of care of players and whether he is... I, I don't know. Like I said in the chat today, has, has Staley done something to offend people? Because people are just... That's the only thing that people can talk about the Chargers this week is that if Staley doesn't win, he's out. He's made sure... He, he can't, can't make good decisions. He makes erratic decisions, etc. I mean, I would be... I would be shocked if Staley didn't sit in the room the whole week saying, okay, guys, what do you want to do? Callahan didn't play. Chances are Callahan said, hey, coach, I just need this. I just need this one. Sure. Carl Van Noy said, no, nah, let's go. We've got a winning culture. We got to go, we got to go win. And that's the other thing is like winning is a skill. Tom Brady does it, but he had to lose a lot and he had to play in a lot of these games to learn how to do it. He can now bring people around him to go and win a game of football. We are kidding ourselves, Chargers fans, if we think this team is good enough to to not I think to not play. I think I think we're living in a in a fantasy land. This team needs to play meaningful football. Justin Herbert for his development needs to play in these games. And continuity is really, really important. Coherency is really important. Okay, Joe Lombardi all of a sudden has third and fourth stringers at his and we've got Chase Daniel. What are the optics of that? All right, Herbert sits. We have Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel can't even fucking move the ball down the field. Oh, it's got a really We weak. didn't actually look that really... shit with Chase Daniel on the ground. I mean, who who cares? Who was watching at that point? Could have turned it off with exactly. fifteen minutes left of the game. Once you realize Herbert, you just you actually were like a parent going out and you've got the babysitter and baby you're just putting the toddler down to sleep before you go out for dinner and you're just like, you know what, I'll turn the I'll flick the TV. I'll feel okay with turning the TV off once I see Herbert sitting on the bench and Chase Daniel in at quarterback. Just so I know like my little baby's gone to sleep, all safe and sound. I can just go out and enjoy myself now. Who cares about the, the babysitter? Everything's all good. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I understand, but it's also managing relationships. And Staley is a relationship guy. He doesn't want to be the dictatorial coach that says, just, no, you will sit down. Because if Herbert wants to play, he will play. Yes, then the argument is, is that you're the adult in the room. You know, you're the one, you know, paying the babysitter to look after. You know, your, your, your kids, you should have the final call. But I, I think there's a multitude of facets to this. And the reductive and simple way of looking at it is that Staley is incompetent. And I think that it's, that's utter bullshit. Utter, utter bullshit. Yeah, it's um, just very and I strong. Won't... It's very absolute. It is. Yeah, it's just it's... like, no, I think Staley will learn. And when he approaches the situation again, he'll do it differently. Hopefully as the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, because I still think he is, um, he's coaching really, really well. Anyway. I just feel a sense of desperation from the majority of, well, I mean, look, media pundits are out there to have people click on their links and watch their videos. So they're going to say outlandish shit and they're going to turn around and be like, if this, then this must happen. And in this case is, is if the Chargers lose, um, Brandon Saley must be fired, I think is pretty extreme. I can see more arguments considering, like I think a lot of it will boil down to Mike Williams and his involvement because I think he's that crucial. Um, and watching that Jags defense against Tennessee and what they did to Derrick Henry and the Titans run game, um, it, we need everything that we can get, uh, big bodies, all that kind of stuff, because um, they're not incapable in the secondary, Jackson, but we'll get into that more. But yeah. um, it's it's going to boil down to that, really, and it's it's kind of sad. But they're dragging up old stuff like, you know, he 
should have taken he shouldn't have taken the timeout or um, they went for that third down and the Raiders kicked the field they went for the fourth down missed it in the third quarter fifth, Raiders kicked the field goal up by three that's the final margin you know whatever I'm like the guys fuck Jesus Christ if that's really the length you're going to I sense the desperation from the Chargers fans because it is so just like it is so black and white with it's either like win and we're super happy or lose and we hate everything and everyone's got to be fired and it's like well you can't be fair weathered it's just the license of social media and a keyboard and internet you can just do whatever you want and press send and if enough people do it and it sparks something in them then you get kind of a theme or maybe they're onto something and we just have a little bit more blind faith in a guy that is doing most of the things i think constructively and in the right direction I agree. and I agree. just a little bit more patience, I think, but look, yeah, a little bit more patience. And he speaks like a modern day leader. He has the tenets and the foundational philosophy of everything you would want in an organizational figurehead. If you look at the, and I won't do the numbers just yet, or I, we might look at that maybe in a, a season re- review roundtable, but if you look at the numbers that the, this defense is now putting up with the amount of injuries that it's had, it's quite incredible. Um, and no offense to our defensive coordinator, but it's Brandon Staley's defense. He's the father of this. And if they can continue that into next year daddy. with maybe a little bit of a, what was that? The daddy. The daddy, yeah, he is the daddy. So the players clearly love him, and I don't buy this whole, the players were looking dejected at the end of the game. This is the worst locker room I've seen. Like, guys, they've just lost a game. They've just lost a game. They've seen my... They've seen one of their brothers go out on a car. It's, it's, you know, that's actually dejected. Of course you're going to be dejected. Oh, because it's due to the, they didn't know what they were doing. How do we know? How do we know? We just don't. And I mean, you've got to put your, a line in the sand somewhere and have an opinion. Well, my opinion is that, yes, it didn't go 100% right. But as I've said, and as we've been saying, both of you and I are in grants. Um, everything, I mean, the pressure is hot now on Staley and this week. But come on. Just let's calm down the hyperbolic responses and let's just focus that we're in the fucking playoffs. Yeah. We're in the playoffs. Okay. Absolutely. I, didn't, I, would, I, I wasn't going to be in the – we weren't expected to be in the playoffs six weeks ago. I was like, nope, season's done. Well, like, it's pretty much over. We've been and we've won. As so, we were, come on. We were as written off as Green Bay were, although they had a worse record, I think. Um, but we're there and we haven't been there for four or five years. It's just cause to be excited and just to appreciate it. And just enjoy the moment. But look, let's, from the game, I mean, we can't take too much away because, you know, you talk about, you look at things like snap counts and stuff and, you know, Josh Kelly playing more first and first and 10 downs and second downs, giving Eckler a bit more of a break. It was weird that we saw some things. Like, I even thought that Callahan was a weird sit relative to a few other guys. Um, but... Uh, yeah, is there is there anything other than the sort of blatantly frustrating bits, like the guys that needed the reps that just didn't play well or really surprised you? Like, I'll, I'll kick it off because I reckon five games in a row with a sack and the tipped pass mm. causing the interception is just... Yes, fantastic. Route, cause for applause for Kyle Van Noy, what he's doing to just act as another adhesive uh, to this defensive group and his leadership... Uh, and it's awesome, and he's really peaking. He's peaking at the right time, and I can't wait to hopefully see him tackle that big Easter Island statue. 
in Dubai. <laughs> what do you reckon? Oh, I, yeah, K- K- KVM was one of mine, and 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 there's a veteran, right? There's mm. the veteran who's got his body right. He's got command of this uh, defensive scheme now in his head, and he's getting the production. We were pretty harsh on him at the start of this year, but we should trust in the process. Daly's got these people in; they know what they're doing. Um, I mean, the other big positive standout for me was the offensive line. Uh, another really good yeah. shift um, in, you know, Jamari Salia becomes one of the best left tackle. Uh, sorry, not one of the best left tackles, but one of the best rookie left tackles this year. Um, he allowed one pressure on 45 pass blocking snaps, PFF grade of almost 80. Uh, the offensive line had a, had a fantastic day. Three pressures on 45 pass blocks. Um, you know, Johnson had another great game. He's in the, I think he's in the rookie team of the year on some. I mean, there are so many at the moment. Lindsley and Pipkins were also really good because they only are allowed a 6.7 pressure rate. I mean, that's outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. So that unit is really um, coming together. And with the addition of um, Slater, he's clearly obviously not playing this week, but we win this week and we get one of the best left tackles in the league back. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So that was another real positive from the game, I thought. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I, Even though I thought he played far too much in the game, I really loved how eccentric Keenan Allen's dancing was throughout. Uh, <laughs> he's just, even the touchdown right at the end of the game was just, I thought, ludicrous. Like, yeah. Yeah. he's just like, man, this is, I don't give a shit. Oh, another thing I really rated... Um, Aloha Gilman after the special teams muff punt recovery, riding it, riding it down into the Broncos fans. I loved it. He looked like he was like, I don't think I should be doing this, but it was just a big, we don't give a shit. <laughs> fuck you. We're in the playoffs. Have and Gerald, Gerald Everett's, Gerald Everett's celebration of riding the donkey. Yeah, that one as that well. Was, there was a was lot really of attitude. Good. It was like, yeah. uh, Kyle, Kyle on the show through the video last week asked me about resting players and resting starters and stuff like that. And I thought that the, I stand by what I said, because I think it did send the right message. Continuity, cohesiveness is paramount when this young playing group, although we've got our core group is quite young and inexperienced as far as playoffs go. You do have the um, Kyle Van Noys and Max might have played a little bit of playoffs, but uh, there is a little bit of experience there. But, um, yeah, look, I just uh, I enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the fact that they just kind of wanted to tell the donkeys to get fucked, to be honest. And I, and I think that's what that's added to why perhaps the starters played for as long as they did because they've gone. It was a little bit chippy. I imagine that it would have been a little bit chippy, a little bit chirpy. And the starters have gone, no, fuck this, we're going to play. I, listen, that's complete uh, guesswork. We're hogwashing right hypo- now. Hypothesis we're to- from totally it, a hogwash. little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, and a couple of other things that I noticed, as you said, Jerry Judy killed us. What was happening in the secondary there? That, oh that man, did you see a Taylor get a wake up call or what? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, getting snaps though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was in the slot uh, for Callahan, so it was good. Yeah. Good to get that under his skin, but that was an absolute lesson. He got a given a bath. Um, really unfortunate on the roughing the passer call because that was a nice yeah. um, loss of about seven, and he's just poleaxed Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah. I'd- a, a sort of another negative. There was a huge disparity in the run game. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've seen 
um, you know, sort of a transition from a purely zone blocking scheme to more of an angle power concepts. Yeah. Um, but we had our worst running game of the year. Of the year, I think. I think I think PFF graded us at forty point eight, which I think is one of the worst of the season. But Eckler on the fumble, he didn't really look like he wanted to play that much. No, he was sort of that's, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he was sort of like, "What am I doing?" Okay, um, I have, and and this is where I'll say that Joe, you know, I actually have a little bit of faith this week um, in what he's got because I felt like that even though we did try a couple of power and angle blocking schemes, they just. I don't know if they were trying to show there. They didn't want to show too much, I think, in that sense. So um, we need to see a complete ramp up in, in the run game against Jacksonville as best we can because, as you, as you pointed out, their run defense is quite strong. But that's about it. That's about it for me. Did you have anything else to, to touch on? Um, I made a point earlier about the bulk, massive completions and just mis- seemingly miscommunication and maybe lack of want to even be out there. Uh, I thought special teams, we tackled hard, always endeavour there. Dean Leonard again, um, right up there, forcing a fumble on the um, punt return and unfortunately we didn't recover that. But he's he's there, here, there and everywhere and um, might make a mistake or two, but seeing good things. Michael Davis again, I thought um, there was a three and out in the second quarter, I want to say, and he was just there the whole drive. Um, uh, pushed the guy out of bounds short of the line to gain. Force Wilson to scramble, and then he was really tight on a third and five incompletion, um, and then I think they followed that up with a big uh, Murray run in the next drive. But um, yeah, he actually didn't get discredited for the Cortland Sutton touchdown, even though he blatantly slipped when he was coming into um, into press him. So he got away with that one, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's all for me. Look, like I said, there's not too much to take away. We also let like. Um, guys who are playing their first game for the Broncos, like um, Beatty, that TD uh, run was yeah. absolute trash. Um, and uh, McMillian, the defensive back, uh, just balled, played really well. And um, it was just annoying. It's annoying when we, we seem to like play in guys, even though, um, yeah, even though, it doesn't mean anything. It's just annoying to see those kind of trends. Run defense, even though we've got, you know, David Mower as our nose tackle. Who you say? Good point. He's got massive hair. Looks cool. <laughs> Looks like a fun guy. Um, but when, yeah, when you're lining that sort of stuff up, don't expect too much. And um, we'll get into why that could be a problem pretty shortly. On his journey, Al has uh, sent us yet another video. Sure, he's got a couple of questions. Would love to say g'day, so why don't we run through that? Okay. Jack, Andy, and the TDU crew listening out there, coming to you this week from San Francisco. And in the background behind me, you can see Alcatraz Island, the infamous prison. And I thought that was symbolically important, seeing as under the Lynn and McCoy eras, the Chargers and their fans have been held captive kept in a prison, whereas now under Staley, we're in the playoffs, we've been released, but as we saw yesterday against the Broncos, maybe we're not quite out of the prison yet. So Andy, my first question is to you this week. This season is likely to end at some point short of winning the Super Bowl, and how the season ends really matters. It matters for fan sentiment. It will matter to whether we feel like we are still in a prison or whether we're out under Staley. 
So my question to you is, how do you predict this season finishes? Is it going to finish in a good way, with everyone feeling good and out of Alcatraz, or are we still going to be stuck in there because of the way this season comes to a conclusion? Jack, my question for you is about Joe Lombardi, because you've been a vocal critic. Two weeks in a row now the offence has done its job, or seems to be moving in the right direction. What do you think it would take for Joe to keep his job next season? And what would you need to see for you to be convinced that he's the right guy to lead the offence next season? All right, it's the last show without me. I'll be back next week. I'm really looking forward to it. Have a great show, and good luck to the Chargers in this playoff game this weekend. Go Bolts! Yeah, well, you'll be back next week if we allow it, Alcatraz Lloyd. Uh, thanks for the input. Um, good to see you hadn't had a million beers beforehand and you could actually get your words out. Cheerio. Um, yeah, well done. Good question. In the prison. Have I felt like we're in the prison? And will the season end on a happy note or a good note, regardless of win or loss? I Look, crazy things could happen. And whilst there's plenty of media pundits talking about if the Chargers lose, then X, Y, and Z has to happen. There's also plenty of media pundits going, the Chargers are probably, of all the wildcard teams, that team with like maybe the best chance of just doing something freaky, maybe for a month in a row, I guess. Um, and just, well, we're the 1.5 point favorites. Uh, into this game. So we're not underdogs yet, but we will be on that mission. Um, do I think we are out of a prison? Maybe at the moment we're on like day trip where they like let you out for a day with a minder and you're not quite out, but you're just getting a little bit of fresh air. I feel like that's what the last two years have been, except I've still got like a numbered shirt on and I'm drugged up essentially. And I'm having my hand held. Do I feel like we're out of the prison not quite just yet, as the fan sentiment, because the fan sentiment is very volatile. Okay, I'll wrap up the second part of the question. Do I think the year will end happy? Happy to a lot of the fans will be if we win the Super Bowl, and that is it. Of course, yes. <clears throat> um, if we go down fighting and lose maybe in a shootout by three points to the Bills or something in the um, – AFC title game in the snow, then I guess you could like mm. wear that and go, yeah. Do I think it'll end that way? I don't think, honestly, that this season has – I just don't think that it's going to have a, a happy ending in, in in a way like that. I still think that there's going to be a, a hiccup and it's going to be an off-season of manic behaviour from a lot of people and a lot of Twitter accounts. That's what I think. Sad as it may so, be. So, are you saying that many Charger fans are actually institutionalised and should not actually be let out, let out of Alcatraz because they're actually better inside the prison than they are actually in real life and acclimatising to a new way of being is just not going to happen? I'm, fi- I'm trying to find, like, the stereotypical appropriate team to go, oh, I'm not talking about those fans, maybe Raider fans. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just – it was a maybe a miscued analogy – or metaphor for uh, <laughs> metaphor for how I sh- how us oh, charges crack another beer. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> all right, all right. No, so uh, Alistair has asked me the question about Joseph Lombardi. Now, I actually have prepared a, a few things for this because in a lot of my criticism, I do spruik the more, I guess, 
uh, ephemeral narrative of saying words like creativity and it needs to be just needs to have more feel for the game and these types of things and, and but what does that actually look like so what I've done is I've actually gone through the offense and I have compared us some key numbers of compared us our offense with the benchmark team not only in our division but in the NFL which is the Chiefs so um I'm going to read a couple of things. I'm going to look at um, first downs and uh, percentages. I'm going to look at some sacks. I'm going to look at points per game. So bear with me, listeners. But uh, as I go, I'm going to sort of say that whether Joe has to improve that or he has to or he's doing pretty well. So let's start off with first downs. Um, So we've had 352 first downs uh, this year, which is eighth in the league. Pretty good. Not too bad. Top 10 in that sense. Um, we have uh, gone for, uh, sorry, third down, I should say. We've gone for it 257 times, which is first in the league. And we've converted 112 of them, which is also first in the league. But we're converting at a 43.6% rate. Now you go, oh, cool. We're first. That sounds great. However, that's not a category you really want to be first in. Well, it means you're getting more third downs and you're not succeeding on first and seconds. Correct. What is that? Is that percentage also the highest in the NFL? Uh, Surely the sheer numbers would be higher, higher attempts. That is, that is, that is eighth in the NFL. That one there. Yeah. That's good relevance. Yeah. And so then the Chiefs, so when we look at the Chiefs, they have gone for third downs on 193 times. So you're looking at almost 60 times less, and that is last in the NFL. So they are last at going for it on third down. Um, and they've completed 94 of them, and that's eighth in the, in the, um, uh, in the NFL. So they're converting at that at 48.7. So another 5% higher than we are. Um, And they've also had 408 first downs, which is first in the league. So if I'm me and I'm telling Joe, I'm saying we need to start improving our first and second down uh, yardage so we're not always stuck in these third down situations. For sure. Which I I thought was, which is not too bad. I I I think Joe could possibly do that. I, I, I do think that. Red zone offense. Uh, we have been in the red zone 61 times this year, which is fifth in the league. So we're getting the ball down there, which is great. However, we're only con- we only, we've only converted 33 into touchdowns, and that's ninth in the league. So that's a conversion rate of 54.1%. This is where things start to get a little interesting, which is not good. You compare that with the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been there 72 times in the red zone. That's number one in the league. The Chiefs have also converted 50 into touchdowns, which is also first in the league. That is a 69.4% conversion rate, almost over a 15% difference. And that is a large number in the NFL. So Joe, when I say creativity, we got to get the ball in the red zone out of Herbert's hands more often. This is where things start to get a little bit ugly for Joe. Run, the run offense. We are 3.8 yards per carry. 3.8, Andrew Prophet. That is 30th Mate, in the I'm league. I'm reading it. I read it. <laughs> that is 30th in the league. Uh, we've scored 15 rushing touchdowns, which is 17th in the league. We have only we have only made 93 first downs rushing, and that is 25th in the league. That for a high flying offense is not good enough. Let's look at points per game. Funnily enough, we're 23 per game, which is 13th in the league. However, the Chiefs 
uh, 29.2. So we need to raise that up. We need to be top 10 in points per game. Easy. Perhaps top five. And to round it out, let's just look at the offensive line because then people say, oh, the offensive line, you know, is not doing a good enough job, et cetera, et cetera. We've given up 39 sacks, which is 16th in the league. The Chiefs have given up 26th, which is third. What have I written down here? Which is 30th in the league. Where they have a, we have a quarterback hit percentage rate of 12.9, which is 24th. The Chiefs have an 11.7 quarterback hit percentage. In terms of quarterback uh, hits, we've had 97, which is 13th, and the Chiefs have had 79. So fairly even when we talk about the offensive line's capability. So to round out all those numbers, I'm sorry if that was boring, but I put a lot of time into finding those numbers, so you have to suffer and listen to it. Is that I think Joe? You're that kid that always just, puts their hands up to go first <laughs> when it's the presentation in front of class. Like you've got a stiffy Correct. for it. You're like me, me, me. Got to do it. And everyone's like, fuck, not this guy again. Correct. Now I appreciate the, the uh, effort you put into that, but I do have uh, do have just a question for your answer to Al's question. Is in the last few weeks have you done a correlation as to like points per game and um, just you know offensive efficiency in the last sort of four to five weeks where we've actually started to see i think a bit of like quite an improvement from from smoking joe correct i have not done those numbers so i'm not going to just say, say anything better. those were yeah, I, yeah i'm gonna say that they're better and i think that with a healthy herbert that makes that'll help and with a healthy left tackle next year that helps um but i i still think the disparity is too big i still i still think that the run game with austin eckler and that line needs to be better especially because isaiah spiller hopefully starts to become that power back next year mm. um joe's shown adaptability and we've moved away from a purely zone blocking to a more power block and zone block which i think is great because that's more um uh, that's that's adaptability and that's a bit of creativity and sort of keeping the opposition guessing and maybe third third year lucky for for herbert in this offense um you know Joe's you're talking about it there. like we're already out third year lucky Let's just get to no, just, get yeah, to the business. Yeah, I know, but we're, but we're talking about we're talking about Joe Lombardi here, right? So we're talking about you know his you know, his future. His future. Okay. Um, I, right. I, I also well, think that he's probably enjoying he's enjoying the heat on Staley. Mind you, though, if Staley goes, I would say Joe Lombardi goes. So in a roundabout way, I don't think Joe has done a, had a particularly good year, but I think the last six weeks has probably shown he's been a bit more adaptable. Is he going to be fired at the end of the year? I cannot say. I don't know. I wouldn't be totally upset if he keeps his job, but at the same time, you know, there are some pretty good young offensive minds going around at the moment. So there we go. That was a very long-winded answer. Sorry, Alistair, you're probably going to give me some feedback on that. But, uh, yeah, enjoy Alcatraz. (laughs) Uh, I look at it this way. The amount of third downs that we attempt, convert, doesn't matter. The amount that we attempt just shows that we are negligible on play calling on first and second down, either they're unattainable or they like they just don't work. Um, and when a lot of that comes into the run game and we haven't had any injured rushes, we've oddly used Sony Michelle and Isaiah Spiller or not used them and worked Eckler to the bone, like all good running backs get worked. But that, when you're not putting up 23 points on offense, with Justin Herbert, and yeah, okay, we've had um, left tackle Rashawn Slater out, Keenan Allen missed multiple weeks, Mike Williams missed multiple weeks, still working in Joshua Palmer, tight, uh, we haven't added uh, probably our tight end two 
in for a long time as well. So we've had missing pieces, but I just don't think that those sort of stat areas that you mentioned are really okay for what we've yeah, missed. They're not okay. No. no. It has got better KPIs, once we've had no. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in the in the team together and sure. But it's still not we're still not beating Denver. We're still and look, I feel like it was the de- the defense that really dropped the bundle, as we've sort of said. You're allowing that that def- that Denver offense to put up 31 points and just look like a total rabble. Um, if you'd put up that shit in week 18 last year, there'd be no conversation in the offseason about the Raiders and the ch- the Chargers. It would have just been like Chargers flat out didn't deserve it, but no, we stuffed this up and did that. So that's how it goes. I go back. I, I go back to my old adage before we move on to snakes and ladders is that. Is the quarterback supporting the system or is the system supporting the quarterback? Is the system supporting the running back or is the running back supporting the system? It's and I feel like the, the answer to both. both those questions, it's the latter for both. For sure. And that's inherently the problem that I have because yep. uh, we're just not utilizing two of the best players in the league to their skill sets. Yeah. We've tried to make a little bit of changes, hmm. but we should not have to rely on two players only. And if those two players go out, we can't do anything. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. We move on. We'll just we'll we'll let it we'll let it brew and see what happens. All right. So just for a little bit of a mid segment, just to have a look at the playoff pictures and a bit of fun. Those guys getting hot. Those guys cooling off. Uh, who's improved and who's unimproved in the last little while heading into the playoffs <laughs> for the AFC? It was the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 18 who overcame a depleted Tennessee outfit at home, securing their first AFC South title since 2018 and their first playoffs appearance for Trevor Lawrence. As we, all, as we are all pumped about, Chargers in the fifth seed, of course. Baltimore couldn't make it past Cincy, so they stay in the sixth. And Miami scraped in seventh with a last-minute field goal from a low-scoring affair, knocking off the Jets, and Patriots lost to the Bills. So Miami in seventh. In the NFC, um, we saw the arm-in-arm, Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb. They just couldn't get the – as they walked off the field, they just couldn't get the job done at home against the Lions. Could it be the last we see of Rodgers in Green Bay or at all in the NFL? Seahawks punched their ticket with an overtime victory against the LA Rams, really limping their way into the postseason. And now we've got the teams that are in and the teams that are out. It's holiday mode for some. It's it's real business now. Jack, let's have a bit of fun. Give praise to some couple of surprises, some disappointments. You're up, man. What do you got? Uh, we are playing snakes and ladders, right? We're playing yes. snakes and ladders. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry. Uh, well. Uh, <laughs> As, as, as much as all that's wonderful and, and playoffs, we're playing things, I think the, my first ladder goes to DeMar Hamlin and the Bills. So awesome, wonderful mm, to beautiful. see yep. that that young man is out of hospital and he's doing really, really well. Uh, that was that's the first thing um, that, came, that came to my mind, thinking of the playoffs. Yes, they're important, but it's wonderful that he's got his health. So that's my first ladder, a nice sort of positive one, which is awesome. Yeah, good, man. Well said. Um, it's fantastic to see him just improve the way he has and so much support like the donations to his charity just the universal love um my mum who has no idea what the nfl is when i spoke to her the other day was like oh is that is that boy okay and i was like oh you she's like yeah it was all over the news mum's talking to me about nfl that's exciting times but for the bad reasons so it's glad that i'm glad that he is uh, on the mend and um getting better uh I've got a big 10-foot platform ladder for the rookie Mr. Relevant QB out of Iowa State. 
Mr. Brock Purdy and those San Fran mm. 49ers. You lose your starter early in the season. It's okay. You got Jimmy G as your backup. Breaks a foot. Panic stations. Nah, don't worry about it. Brock Purdy's done something that only two other rookie QBs have done. Win their first five starts. He's impressive. The 49ers are almost more fun to watch if that could be uh, possible. And they look more dangerous. They're more efficient. Regularly putting up five touchdowns minimum. Well done. Well done. Well said. That was one of mine. I, I love I love the Purdy Hurdy train <laughs> and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel coming out. Uh, another big ladder. They're not in the playoffs. But I have a long-standing grudge against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. It's just well known. We won't get into that at the, on this podcast. Maybe, maybe the next one. Um, but watching Detroit absolutely pummel Green Bay at home bought me so much joy. And Dan Campbell is turning around that franchise really well. So a big step ladder goes to them. Not 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 a full size ladder, step ladder, because you're not in the playoffs. You know, you, you need to you need to, to to get a big boy ladder, you need to be in the playoffs. But Goff's playing really well. Amon Ra St. Brown is one of the the next big receivers. Um and I just love watching them. So well done, Detroit and suck shit Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Yeah, go, go his name escapes me. I want to say Ben Joseph, but I think I'm wrong. The offensive coordinator for the Lions. He's done oh. awesome things. Awesome things. I think Goff's That like, little pitch to the receiver, I'm going, wow. Yeah. <laughs> In a big spot too. Cool stuff. Yeah. I don't want to cheer too much about the Packers losing, but I'm really liking this, the um, the media presence of Jamal Williams. That guy is a weird dude and yeah. I really like it. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, a ladder for me. I think to to some Chargers fans, this guy was coach option 1B, if not 1A. Brian Dayball done amazing things with the New York Giants. Um, they're in the playoffs, and they've got a chance to upset the Vikings. I really believe it. So they've re- he rested some starters, uh, which is, you know, for the Chargers fans who actually wanted Dayball, and Dayball's rested Thibodeau and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. It really just yeah. dumps petrol onto the... The f- no. Twitter fire that is the Chargers uh, fan base, which we're we're a part of, and we're being very general. I'm not, you know, saying everyone's crazy, but some of the behaviour is nuts. So yeah, well done, Brian Dayball, doing awesome stuff there. And it's pretty. F- I've never liked the Giants, but Big Blue is like an underdog train that I can get about in the um in the yeah. NFC. Nah, Dayball's sick. I love him. I love watching what he's done there. Uh, This is a snake and a ladder. Uh, The reason why this is a ladder is because Tua has been named to not play in the game, which is going to be a bit of a stinker, I have a feeling. Um, However, it's also a snake because we're actually looking after players and concussions. So uh, on one hand... You got it back to the other way. It's a ladder because of that and snake because of the other. Sorry. But yeah, sorry. Good. Yes, you, you that's what that's what well. I meant. You played that well. I'll see what you yeah, um, it's it's you know a lot of people complain that two you know what a shit game and all this kind of stuff. Well, at the end of the day, playoffs a playoff, but two has got to worry about his health, and that's a right call by the medical staff and by the NFL. So well done there. Good. Yep. Well said. I've got to do it. I've got to say it. Um, I've kind of had a, a theme to where, or like a position to where I sit on. Uh, was Staley negligible? Did he do the wrong thing? Should there be this much like fire and angst towards him? And <clears throat> I felt it when I watched it live. I feel it still that he kept the starters on too long. I'm giving him a snake. 
down the snake coach daily because I cannot see Mike Williams, who's now missed the walkthrough, missed the first training session. I cannot see him being 100% by Saturday. Whether he plays or not is still up in the air, but him being 100%, I just think it didn't need to happen. And sure, it was like early second quarter, and you could argue that that's going to happen anyway, but... That on top of the way he handled his post-game press conference, it's mm. a weird thing and I don't like it. So down the snake. Okay. All right. Uh, another ladder for the AFC conference as a whole because Patrick Mahomes is the oldest player at 27 in the AFC playoff bracket. Wow. And the rest wow. are younger than him. So whether you're a Chiefs fan, you like the Chargers, whatever, uh, if you're an AFC football fan, we are well set for the next 10 to 15 years, I believe. All those, all those old timers are now gone. So ladder for the AFC playoff bracket quarterbacks. Love seeing the young kids sling it. Nice. I will finish off with... Uh, a snake, and then a special mention ladder, very quickly. A big motherfucking snake, like that anaconda you see with Ice Cube and J-Lo in it. Uh, anaconda don't. Arizona want none. It all blew up. I said this when we did our team preview at the start of the year. I thought this whole thing stunk. Kingsbury's gone. Steve Keim, step down for health reasons. Uh, I hope you're okay, man. I would too. Um... Down a big, big snake. D-Hop wants out. JJ's retired. Heck of a career by that guy. Wow. Um, Really made watching defense awesome. Uh, Again, Kyler's contract's really yuck, and they're allowing him input into the coaching hiring hiring process. So that just, what a, just yuck. Um, And my special ladder mention, uh, or just remaining on a good deck, I think. Didn't make the playoffs, but Mike Tomlin somehow getting that Steelers team to over 500 again. Maintaining his record of never having a losing season is very impressive. And something I was rooting really hard for, and I never do that against the Steelers. So, cool. What do you got? My last one. My last one is a little bit on the Tomlin train, is how Nick Casario and the Texans have treated their last two head coaches. Lovey Smith got the ass very, very quickly. Um, they've gone through two coaches in two years and how many chances does Mr. Casario get? He's on a good wicket like Tom Telesco. He's just hiring and firing coaches willy-nilly. The latter I actually want to give to Lovey Smith because whether he knew he was being fired or not, mm, he lost it. the Texans the number one draft pick. <laughs> I was watching that game and I thought sucked in Casario. The coach has coached to win when realistically they had the number one draft pick tied up. Lo and behold, he wins, he gets fired, probably giving the two-finger salute on his way out. So that's yeah. a, that's my last ladder to Lovey Smith. Yeah. And, I, and I, hope he finds, I hope he finds a job as well because I, I rate him. The father of the Tampa 2. Yeah. So This would um, be a sad podcast if it was about the Houston Texans. Like year after year, <laughs> it is just like Groundhog Day. Fire yeah, coach, win fuck all games, oh, just blow it. Jeez, they've got a they've got Man, a really good young sucks. core though. I love Petre. I love Petrie. I love yeah yeah um, Jalen Petrie, Stingley. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're going to be okay, man. They've got good draft capital, even though they lost the first. <clears> pick. <throat> anyway, enough about the Texans. Cool. Let's move on to uh, news from the Charters Week and our 
wildcard weekend matchup against the Jags. So just on the press conferences, Brandon Saley in the post game, I've never seen him so defensive and staunch. Um, he, like he was, you mentioned it earlier about talking about um, the the choice to, you know, you've only got 48 guys to pick from and the NFL rules allow that you only can activate two guys from the practice squad. It was like the way he was just defending it in gibberish. Um, mm. There was there was no end to that press conference with any sense of assuredness, probably from him as well. He was like almost despite, de, like, yeah, de- denying the responsibility for having to play key players longer than he should have because we wanted to um, maintain something. And But I also wanted to put uh, the players' health and safety as a priority, which is what he said after Herbert stayed in that game, which just does not make sense to me. It's not the Brandon Staley I've grown to to know um, and, and to sort of be comfortable with, and I still am, but it was just weird. I've never seen anything like that. And he finished with, I thought we executed our plan today. Uh, I don't know what your plan was, man, but <laughs> I hope that you didn't execute it. Um, we've got, yeah, Joey Bosa, obviously, Mike Williams, day-to-day. We'll see what happens with, with him. Joey Bosa came off with, he, he should be fine. He's listed as a full participant. Most of the guys are. Xander Horvath's back. Callahan's fine. Um, Kenny Murray copped a stinger, but I think he's okay. Chargers have also activated the 21-day window for Rashawn Slater's return, which is very exciting. So um, we might see him. He won't play this week. It's been said, ruled out. He will not play this week. But, you know, when we progress after this weekend, Rashawn Slater will play again this season. All right. So we've got the Jags. Um, we obviously played them in week three and it was really yuck, uh, in our short tenure. That was a really, really hard show to do, uh, to watch that game and analyze it and not like, just want to destroy every piece of electronics in your house. <laughs> but to their credit, it really seems considering what happened last year, uh, with Urban Meyer, you can see that it's a really special relationship that's developing between Dougie P and Trevor Lawrence. Um, They've had two consecutive number one picks now, the Jags, Trevor Lawrence mm. and then Trayvon Walker, and they've grown into a, a genuine genuine potential pain in the ass in the AFC over the next few years if they can kind of utilize this core group rookie deal situation. Etienne, also another first-round pick. They spent big. Um, they've now they've clawed their way into the postseason. There was a bit of finding your feet early on, and then Trevor Lawrence put together a few you know, a string of good games where um, he's shown what he's capable of. Um, but look, the credit most certainly extends beyond the large proboscis and blonde locks. Um, this defense is nasty. Uh, they are young and fast, and watching them against the Titans was just kind of like, I hope Trey Pipkins has like an engineered support to keep him upright against the speed that these this front seven can generate. Their back oh, yeah. their back guys aren't bad either. There's not too much scratch out of that. It's really kind of sad that Rashawn Slater's has a, has a little bit of a play here and there, but um, I think he had a 93 or something uh, pass rush grade on PFF after that strip sack that won the game with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's nasty too. So, look, I think it's a well pretty well-rounded unit. Not too many holes in this roster. But for me, there's a lack of polish. 
I see Trevor Lawrence overthrowing, missing throws. He he's mobile, he's athletic, he's a good quarterback, but he's just there are there are ways that we can kind of I feel can kind of um, expose that. Uh, look, this like I said, this Jags defense stamped the team's ticket um, against the Titans. They nullified Derrick Henry, bruised him up good. They maintained speed into the pocket, pressured Dobbs all day. I think it was twenty nine pressures, five sacks. Um, and yeah, Brayshon Jenkins, old mate, pops up with the uh, the safety blister unabated and forces that fumble into Josh Allen's hands. There you go. What do you see uh, the Jags' main key strengths as, man? Big one. I think Lawrence has, uh, he's had a great year and he's proven to everyone that he is an NFL level quarterback. He just had an anchor weighing him down in an Urban Meyer led organization last year um one of the strengths of this offense that you haven't sort of touched on is that um lawrence has his time to throw this year is in two, is 2.51 seconds um that's in the realm of burrow and brady so that's fast uh, not only does that show that he's confident but he's got a control and command of this offense and far out he has just got weapons everywhere christian kirk 1100 yards yeah he's a first down machine he's he's um that's where her, that's where lawrence will be looking at he's kind of their keenan allen he's got uh, kirk, kirk's racked up 30 55 first downs that's 15th in the league Yeesh. um to give you some some comparison there that's around players like mike evans garrett wilson who's had a great rookie year uh godwin and jamar chase so that guy's had a sneaky good year then you've got Evan Ingram, who's more like a wide receiver. Um, and you've got Marvin Jones there. Marvin Jones is their big contested ball uh, receiver. He has, a, um, he has a contested catch rate of 66.7%. Evan Ingram is a little lower than that at 43%. Um, but they're just sort of, he's a, Evan Ingram is a wide receiver that can block quite well. Yeah. Uh, far, and you've got Jay, uh, Zay Jones there, who's also really good. You've got Agnew, throw in Etienne. Um, man, this offense is fast like the defense. So yeah, there's, um, you've got Josh Allen on the edge, as you alluded to. Uh, you've also got Devin Lloyd, who's having a pretty good, um, oh, actually, no, he's not. So his, his, his compatriot, Oluwakun, is having a really good year. You've also got another rookie in Taysen Campbell, who's having a great year on the defense at cornerback. Uh, and the biggest advantage, uh, the biggest advantage I think they've got, their biggest strength is they've got Doug Peterson there. And he's got the experience. He's got the know-how. He's got the game management. He's got the creative offense. That's, unfortunately, you know, we've, drag Staley's name a bit through the mud a little this uh, I guess this podcast but unfortunately they've got the advantage in the coaching realm too those are some of the strengths and man this is this is going to be a good game this is going to be a good game I completely agree with you we'll absolutely need to be on our best I see um like I said such a, a valuable relationship that Peterson the former QB himself is um crafting for Trevor Lawrence he he creates a game plan that um, keeps the QB safe, easy completions, moving the ball efficiently, stuff like that. We've, I think we've really got to disrupt that. And like I said, I think there's a lack of polish to a degree with Trevor Lawrence. He's he just saw him like there was a TD, uh, Zay Jones open in the red zone, just missed it, just threw just way over him. I think we've got to be really clever about how we play our matchups on offense, how we use Derwin James and how the others around him understand that. I think the defensive cohesion is going to be 
we, we, we're going to cop it on from their defense. Uh, and we need to make sure that our defense is, is right up to not allowing them to score 38 points. Well, you, you talked about a lack of polish and just a couple of other numbers that actually stick out as well. So Lawrence Lawrence is eighth in the league for batted passes. So in our pass rush, I'd be looking to get our hands up in the air. Um, even though he's quite a tall fella, he tends to throw darts. So let's, when we are, when our big boys, our SJDs and our... Uh, and our Morgan Foxes are, are getting sort of, you know, collapse in the pocket, get your hands up in the air. And the other one is that Lawrence is tied first with Josh Allen, not the pass rusher, but the Bills quarterback, for the most passes dropped by receivers with 34. So mm. what I'd be looking to do is that I'd be playing physical against them. I'd be getting up uh, our cornerbacks up on the line, getting them off rhythm. And remember, these guys are also young. These guys are these guys are young, both on offense and defense. So bring the hit stick. Bring the hit Absolutely. stick. Absolutely. Get, that, game, get that timing off and let's go. Um so yeah just that, I thought those were two quite interesting um interesting little tidbits there. Yep. I agree with you. Well <clears throat> how we're gonna win this game for me on the defense, uh, a couple of things. We've got to protect the soft middle of the field. I saw Lawrence utilize that. He loves a completion on a crossing route. So K9, I'm looking at you, uh, a big physical presence in the passing game. You've succeeded quite well at coverage, so I'm looking for that. Uh, and to neutralize Travis Etienne. I see him, for mine, as the biggest danger for our offense. Um, all sorts of headaches out in the flat in the receiving game. He's good in pass protection. He He's good inside and outside running the tackles. Uh, and look, we've we've really struggled to maintain uh, opposition run game. So I see that be um, keys to our success predominantly on defense and to just learn from your mistakes in week three. Joe Lombardi, Brandon Staley, what didn't work? What can you learn from that? I'm sure they will. They're diligent. Or I'd like to think they're diligent human beings. I'll get scolded for that. But that's where... I lie. I'm predicting with my heart for this weekend. My powder blue heart. Chargers 24, Jaguars 21. We're through to the divisional round. Oh, good, good. A couple, um, couple of keys for me. Throw big and throw often. Pick on Cisco and Jenkins in and uh, Williams, which is their CB2. Pick on them. Get it out quickly. Nullify Josh Allen. Uh, off uh, the defensive line, set the edge so Etienne doesn't bounce outside for one of those another another big runs, and our defensive line to also attack the centre, so attack the middle of their line because it's very soft. Um, between Shatley, Fortner, and Brandon Scherf, they're not particularly strong. So uh, I am also going with my baby blue, powder blue, bolt blue heart. I am going to go. Charges 28. Oh, just doing a bit of quick, seven. do a bit of quick math. Nothing like a bit of podcast yeah, preparation. Of <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go, and they'll get a safety. I'm going to go there. 24. Okay. 24 Jags. It's a bit of a weird score, but I don't think we kick a field goal. So there you go. 28, 24. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we've got, yeah, good point you make about Darius Williams because Staley coached him at LA. Uh, at the Rams, so you should be able to maybe try and get a little bit of dirt on strengths and weaknesses of that guy and optimize our passing game. But yeah, look, let's all our prayers. We've we sent all our prayers out last week for Demar Hamlin. 
And now we need to send them out for Mike Williams. Just please be good. And, um, yeah. Oh, God. The non-happy ending to the Chargers season will not be this weekend. Uh, we will be back next week to talk wildcard victory. Uh, Just do it. Win, Brandon. Prove all the haters wrong. Prove all them are wrong. That's Prove it. Them wrong. Let's bolt the fuck up. Um, enjoy us on Twitter as well if you're on there, at TDU underscore Chargers. The boys are doing some awesome jobs with hashtag TDU Films, so get around that. Um, leave us your comments as well, and uh, we love interacting with you all. So we'll see you next time with Al back in the house. Woo! If he's allowed. Uh, on the Thunder Down on Chargers podcast. See you guys. See you guys.